Welcome to Wood Talk for woodworkers by woodworkers. Now, here are three guys who have great personalities Mark, Matt, and Shannon. All right, it's Wood Talk number 356 for February 10th, 2017, and it is a weekend show. And we've it's got. Don't interrupt me, I'm talking here, son. Um, Don't call me son. (laughs) All right. We've got two questions that are off topic and I figured, you know, if we're going to do the off topic thing, we decided we would just lump them in the one show for you. Get it. You know, it's like getting a a needle at the doctor, you know, just get it done and over with. Let's just go. Okay. So first one here is lollipops at the doctor. Yes. We'll get two lollipops from us too. We promise. Um, No one credited this person. I don't know who it was, but. Yeah, unfortunately, we don't. So being a board cutter, my main source of viewing entertainment is watching vids on YouTube, with woodworking being one of my primary subjects of my viewing pleasure. However, I'm finding myself more and more turned off by woodworking that's coming out of the popular channels on YouTube. This is not a slam on the people themselves, because there is some entertainment value in their videos, but merely the quality of the pieces that they're putting out there. I'm concerned that this is now influencing the general public's opinion and thinking that a 2x6 screwed together picnic table is better than something you can buy at Ikea because it's quote-unquote handmade. I know that I'm getting more and more inquiries for commissions on these kinds of projects. How do you guys use your channels and influence to shine a light on fine furniture? Or is that something that's in your purview? Uh, Is there a compromise somewhere between the two sides? Sorry for the lengthy email and thank you for putting out legit woodworking content for this wannabe. And I wish I knew who it was. Sorry about that. Okay. So this, you know, let's unwrap this thing a little bit. Um, I do think the three of us probably with the projects we build, you know, could safely say it's in the the realm of fine furniture. That's what uh, I think the three of us like to do. We enjoy that. And uh, we don't necessarily. Especially that veneered flyswatter I made yeah. early, this, <laughs> yeah. uh, early <laughs> right. last year. That was fine furniture. Well, how about my, my pet steps? I mean, it doesn't get finer yeah. than that. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, we still we we dip our toes into simple projects and and simple materials just because it's it's good, it's fun, and it's a nice break for the audience who may be tired of seeing nothing but you know higher end woodworking. It's nice to see stuff that's a little more approachable and encourages more people to join. Um, so first of all, it's pretty obvious why people would do this, you know, on YouTube. It's it's going to garner the most views if people think that they can build it. If it's a little more approachable and uses cheap materials or uh, inexpensive tools or a limited you know, supply of tools to get these things built. So it's, it's a no brainer while they're doing that, especially if their business is YouTube, right? And that's what they do. It makes sense. Um, do you guys really think this is a problem though, in the sense of like the greater public opinion, I'm falling on the side that it isn't because these people are actually making folks aware that there are other options than Ikea. Now, whether they're, they're, frame of reference is off and thinking what what's good and what's not good. Okay. That might be an issue, but ultimately there's another person who now is looking for someone to make something for them. And that is not a bad thing. And now maybe a small percentage of those people will go further into this and realize that the two by six screwed together picnic table is not as good as, you know, Cremona's farmhouse table, for instance, uh, they may realize that there is something deeper to this and wind up becoming someone who spends a lot of money on a good piece of furniture. So I don't know that it's really necessarily a problem. It sounds like more people are getting in the mix. So the grand total, the net gain, I think feels positive to that. Do you see any negatives to this? Not really, no. I mean, that that's the beauty of YouTube, right? If you can't find... Like, if it doesn't suit your style, then just mm-hmm. keep looking because <laughs> there's somebody else there. One. 
Yeah. I mean, I view YouTube for me like in my own marketing plan, YouTube is like the top of the sales funnel for me. That's where yeah. the, the widest funnel where I'm capturing the most people. Um, and then that refines down from there. Um, but I also think that the YouTube machine is not conducive in some ways because it's, I mean, the YouTube algorithm is all about recent, like your recent post and frequency. Mm-hmm. You know, the post that you did a month ago is practically invisible on YouTube. So it's, if you want to be dead. visible, you got to put it out weekly. You got to be constantly there, you know, and that is not conducive to fine furniture. Some people, there are a lot of people, most people work faster than I do, but man, that is brutal it's to try to turn out. It's a really difficult yeah. pace. Right. So what happens is you either do multi-part episodes, you know, or you do easier projects that, you know, again, the whole what's fine, what's not fine woodworking is a whole other conversation. But, um, well, I'm curious, curious to hear from you, Matt, with, with something like this, you, you were newer to this than, than either Shannon or I, and you had a little bit more time to look at what's being done, what the current trends are. And it seems like you deliberately went in a different direction, a direction that isn't necessarily from the book of YouTube. Okay. And it's, it's, it's rather from the book of someone who wants to do what they want to do and is going to utilize YouTube to the best of their ability. So when you went through that process, what made you fall on the side of going into these deeper level topics, spending more time on things instead of less time and, and shorter projects? Um, kind of like the same thing like with Shannon. I was trying to create that funnel. Um, so I'm trying to hit some higher level stuff, but at the same time be somewhat, I guess, mid-level for people coming into it. Because, mm-hmm. And I agree, this is, it's not bad that people are doing these simpler projects and I totally understand why. Like, If you have, if your business is to just produce content on YouTube, you need to do a video every week and it's probably got to be a project video every week. I like, and in that sense, you only really have maybe like a day or two out of your whole week to do the project. Mm-hmm. By the time you do everything else with your business and edit that video, I mean, two days might be pushing it to get the whole video project built and the video shot. That's a lot of time. I mean, it's a lot of work to fit in that one little time. So you only have, well, what can you build in two days? Uh, I mean, a trivet? To, yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> a napkin holder? So I, I kind of set my stuff up to be a little more broader. So I have my bigger, my projects tend to be bigger. They take me longer to make and their project videos are further spread out. So I look to find ways to fill the time between those. Um, so I did the shop update. It's like kind of my cornerstone or my centralized piece of content that I do for mm-hmm. the weekly project or for the weekly video. And then I try most weeks to try and throw something else in there as well. Uh, if it is a project video, I put that in or some, you know, ask Matt or some other general topic or some simple project or something just to kind of fill out the content a little bit. Yeah. But it's kind of like my own little, I don't know, content strategy that I sort of came up with. But it really came down to like, I'm doing this for a living and I want to make it enjoyable. So as soon as I start doing like things that I don't want to do, or pressuring myself and the pressures that I don't really want. Like, mm-hmm. what's the, why am I doing this anyway? I could just get the same amount of pressure right. sitting at a desk all day and not have to worry about it when I clock out. Yeah. Well, and it's interesting when you, you know, when someone's looking at the popular YouTube channels and there's a reason they're popular, you know, because they do follow a particular formula. They have a routine uh, release schedule. 
that's the reason you know who they are. And I think their natural progression is one that follows the trend of what's happening in that space. I mean, it stands to reason. That's how they're making things go. It, and it just makes sense. So if you look at their subscriber numbers and compare them to the three of us, for instance, you're going to see some major differences. Like we're not breaking any records with our subscribers. And we know that because of the type of content we produce, we are further down in that funnel that Shannon talked about. We are deeper into the niche because we know simply by taking time to explain things or maybe not putting a project out every week, we are going to get less viewership. And that's just the way it is. And we have to be comfortable with that in order to continue to do what we do and not uh, also fall into, you know, into the, 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 the fast moving current that is YouTube that people tend to get up it, like it becomes part of the game itself is to how to better become a YouTuber. And it really kind yeah. of has nothing to do with the craft and it's almost two sides of it. They, there may be some pursuit of the craft and becoming better at the craft, but there's a whole second craft and that craft is creating a successful YouTube channel, you know, that, that, that right. people are focusing on honing as well which is a lot of work to get that done. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm just thinking back to like how I got started and YouTube didn't exist mm-hmm. back then. Um, but you know, YouTube now as Matt said, or as Mark said earlier, really kind of pulls in the casual woodworker or the maybe wannabe woodworker or the DIY just bought a new house or something like that mm-hmm. and getting that exposure. And I was the same way. Like I had various projects I wanted to do and I was looking for, kind of quick fixes that I could do over the weekend that led me to David Marks and woodworks on the DIY network. And then I, that was like, Holy crap. Like, <laughs> you know, partially, mostly intimidated, but partially like, Ooh, I want to do that. You know, yep. and how do I do that? And how do I get into that a little bit more? Um, I, I think YouTube's the same way, but much better at it, you know, cause th- there is so much variety back then you had basically norm, um, and then David Marks came along and then there were just all the, the random HGTV. Actually, that didn't exist then either. Did it? Wow. I'm old. <laughs> you old man. <laughs> it was PBS or nothing basically. Uh, yeah. That was about it. Wow. Cool. Old man Shannon. All right. So there you go. Little, little bit of, uh, you know, YouTube stuff. I haven't talked about it in a while. Um, so the second question here is, Dealing with sponsorship, it's from Chip. He says, hey guys, enjoying your podcast. I was listening to your talk about the pitfalls of an online business and have to admit I'm very surprised to learn that your primary source of income does not come from your woodworking business. While I'm not new to woodworking, I'm a bit new to the business side. So I guess my obvious question is, where does your primary source of income come from? I really don't know about sponsor, much about sponsors and podcasting, so if there's a revenue opportunity there, I'd like to learn about it. So part two of this question is, how does one become attractive to a manufacturer to hopefully become a sponsor? Uh, and Or I guess to to attain a sponsor might be what he meant to say. Uh, and what exactly does a sponsor do? Um, who is your daddy and what does he do? Um, <laughs> that just came into my head for some reason. <laughs> That's <Okay>. awesome. <laughs> who is your daddy oh and what does he do? do? Um, okay, so... <laughs> Get out. <laughs> Oh, I just totally lost my train of thought. Okay. So uh, I think if you got the impression that we are professional woodworkers for a living, you know, that that's a mistake. You know, we, we, we don't try to put that out there. I don't think either of the three of us 
sort of sells ourselves as professional woodworkers. Um, we are 100% pure content production. And what we make is the subject of that content. Now, um, just in case you don't know, if you're you know fairly new to the show, Shannon doesn't do this full time. Shannon has a day job for a lumber company, but he does just about as much work as you know Matt and I do, <laughs> and he calls it a side job, basically with his side business. So um, you know the three. It's like three jobs. Yeah, he's got three jobs. So it's a it's a lot of work, you know, and and, and we do it. <laughs> he's a very tired man. <laughs> Good multitasker, though. I'll tell you that. Oh. So we do make money from our content. There's a lot of different ways you can make money with content. And this, I think, ties into the first question, you know, because if you are in this sponsorship mode or advertising supported mode, it really is about numbers. And this goes into answer his last question. How do you become attractive to a manufacturer? Well, let's look at what we were just talking about with these people on YouTube who have channels who are just trying to get more and more viewers. And the more viewers you have, the more attractive you are to a sponsor. Um, there's another side to that, though. The more clout you have with your audience, the more attractive you can become to a sponsor. And that's a little harder to sell because they don't necessarily see that. Um, but I know, for instance, with our guild, that's a good example. Our guild members are buyers. So if I recommend a product because I have a, you know, a really strong trust with that audience of guild members, if I recommend a product or if I give them a coupon code that gets them a particular like really good sale, I can guarantee a ton of conversions, like a sick number of conversions with these people because of that special relationship. But take that out to the broader free audience, the free site audience. Do I have as much sway with them? Well, you know, probably more than the average person does, but it's still a general audience, so the conversion isn't going to be as high. That's something that's hard to sell. But ultimately, numbers matter. So when you look at a big channel like a Duresta's channel, that's a guy who's got he's got some stuff to swing around there when he talks to a, a tool manufacturer and says, you know, hey, do you want to have your stuff show up in the show? Not only do you have to send it to me, but you're probably going to have to write a big check as well for this to show up here. I mean, that's how you monetize this stuff. So kind of a very general thing here. Um, anything you guys want to add to that with, with regard to sponsorships and, and what they do for you as a show? Well, sponsors, they're companies too, and they want to make money. So they're looking to you to help them with that goal. That's their goal. So however you can sell yourself to them to help them realize that goal, as, mm -hmm. as Mark kind of pointed out, like I can uh, convert a lot of these people to your to customers for you. So that's a good way to go. Um, it's marketing. So you still, you got to sell yourself to that company that you're hoping to work with. Um, and what do they do? Well, they provide financial stuff to me or to whoever they're sponsoring mm -hmm. in exchange for that exposure. And I think that's one of the things that I find I, I, I giggle every time and I, you know, mean it, I mean it well when I giggle, but it does make me giggle when I hear someone's like, I just started a YouTube channel. How do I get sponsors? You know, and it's like, well, now's not the time to ask that question. <laughs> like now's right. the time to build an audience. And once yeah, you have an audience. There's between sponsors and free stuff too. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> there's yes. lots of people willing to give you free stuff, you know, because there's no, really no skin in the game for them. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, you know, but actually getting somebody to pony up some dough. And on the, on the converse of that, you know, as Matt said, you've got to sell yourself to this company, but you also like need to kind of take control of that for lack of a better term, campaign, because if you don't produce results for that company, you know, they're going to fire you. Like they'll yeah. find somebody else. You won't be asked back. 
Exactly. And, you know, you want to be able to go to that next company and say, here's what I did for company A. Mm -hmm. You know, my influence was able to produce, you know, X amount in sales. You may not always, you're probably not going to get that data, but you can at least show, you know, the data of of traffic that you sent. Right. Because that that is really, you know, unless the, the company sponsoring you is giving some sort of call to action, some sort of deal coupon or something that they can track it just comes down to traffic they just want more eyeballs um on on their stuff on on their website so yeah some of it belongs on you and i do hear a lot of that like i want to get the sponsor and then it's like okay i've got a sponsor now i'm done you know well you got to produce some results for them (laughs) yeah (laughs) like hiring an ad agency well they became got to do their work they suddenly Uh, became your customer you know, and that's, yeah, that's yeah. the trick is you now have two customers. You want to make the viewers happy, but now you have a sponsor to make happy. And I think it becomes a whole different challenge. Now, th- there's also another element of the, the, the sort of funding the venture. And that is something that all three of us do now and, and it is independent of sponsorships. And I think it's a really a good way to go if you're really going to dive into this stuff and, and want to be secure with this type of business. And that is actually selling things yourself whether it's uh, premium content or plans, it's it's having something outside of the the sponsorship and advertising relationships that are very fair weather in a sense. Like if things go wrong, you're just dumped to the curb. <laughs> you know, it's nothing you could do about it. So all three of us do in some form sell premium content. And mine is the guild. Shannon's is the hand tool school. And Matt works with me in the guild. And he receives revenue for the projects and the, the, you know, people who buy into his project courses, he gets revenue from that. And that's a great way to stabilize the ship all year long. So you don't have to take every little opportunity that comes across and kind of sell yourself out trying to just make your, your business survive. You know, so I think that's a really good part of our strategies that I think helps us survive the three of us. Um, trying to think anything else with this. You guys have anything else to add? Don't want to harp too much on it, but. No, I mean, I think be true to your audience, you know, don't, don't be the shill, don't be the sellout. Um, you know, as much as, as much as Mark gets accused of being a sellout, (laughs) um, his, his stuff has always been true to his audience. You know, you're not going to find him. And we ran into that here on Wood Talk where, Mm -hmm. you know, we, a sponsor came to us, we had an agency was working with and they're bringing, you know, like the mattress thing in and it's like, okay, you know, everybody sleeps, but you know, it was a bit of a stretch for us. And that's one of the reasons that we walked away from that because it wasn't, all you're going to do is anger people. It didn't feel good doing that. Yeah. It, and, and that's, that's the other thing. Trust your gut. You're going to know, you know, unless you're just a bad person, in which case you probably won't last very long. <laughs> thanks to social media, and the <laughs> landscape we're in now. This is a self-filtering tend, sort of self-correcting yeah, environment. So, you know, trust your gut and don't, don't just go after it because they're, they've expressed interest in you. Cause ultimately I think that's going to hurt. Um, it's going to hurt the market as a whole. Um, these people will just stop watching you, but yeah. you know, then, then the perception that well, all these YouTubers are just, you know, there for, for the buck and whoever will show up and yeah, I don't think that's good for anybody. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. <clears throat> all right. If you guys have thoughts on this, I know it's off topic, but you may have something to say with regard to sponsorships and uh, how, how we keep our businesses afloat. We're always interested in hearing it. So leave us a comment in the comment section on this post. Um, but otherwise, uh, Shannon, why don't you give them some contact info and we can get out of here. I would love to do that. I'd yeah. be happy to be a part of, of that. <laughs> Good. Um, I'm glad. Yeah. If, if, if you like the weekend show or if you hate the weekend show and you want to 
get us back on topic, you can let us know. You can leave us a voicemail on Skype. Our username is Wood Talk Online. You can call us at 623-242-5180 or send us something via the contact form, woodtalkshow.com slash contact. Or you can always leave a comment at the bottom of this post at woodtalkshow.com. I always say that like they're actually on the website. It's like 99% of the people are not. (laughs) There's like three or four that do it, so... Yeah, something like you know that. Who you Click are. somewhere to land on woodtalkshow.com <laughs> and leave a comment there. And uh, yeah, that's it. That's it for me. Awesome. I got nothing else to say. That's so cool. I can find something else to say. If you keep recording, I'll come up with something no, else I'm, to I'm say. I'm going to hit stop. It doesn't matter if you keep talking.